This is Cecilia, the uh, former producer and director of On the Tip of My Tongue with Josh Almond on Music Life Radio. Music Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com, and it features interviews and stories about and related to music. Today on the program, we feature Cecilia Papoulos. Cecilia is the former producer from the San Francisco Channel 29 public access cable TV show on the tip of my tongue a music performance and interview program that ran during the aught years 2002 to 2007 to be specific Josh Allman from MLR talks with Cecilia about the trials and tribulations of running a public access TV show her early days running a music fanzine her passion for music and art and all things in between Sit back and relax to another episode of Music Life Radio. This one entitled, On the Tip of My Tongue. When people would come in, I guess they would assume, oh, you know, it's public access. It's going to be like, you know, someone's living room and a camera, right? And then they'd come in and they see the studio and the three cameras and the lights and everything. And they'd be like, oh, crap. I didn't realize it was going to be like this, you know? Right. And it's like, I told you it was TV. I mean, it's not, you know... MTV and it's not you know Cron but it's three cameras and people and lights and stuff and some guys would some musicians would show up like hair messed up like basically in their pajamas and it's like did I not tell you you were going to be on television <laughs> and, you know they'd be like oh crap I look like hell I'm like I told you and then other people would completely prepare with wardrobe changes. It was awesome. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I had the extremes, you know. And then, of course, the no-shows, which was always fun. <laughs> oh, what did you do then? You just uh, you called somebody from down the street, get this homeless guy mm-hmm, in here. Mm-hmm. It was the bongos. That's so funny because that's what they would do when they had an open mic night and they didn't have anybody to go get people down the street. No, um, I would throw all the producers that would show up to help for the show and just have them like do promos or promote their show. And then it would just turn into like a, a bunch of little short promos that we'd use for later. Okay. And then we just play, you know. You just play, use the time for something Use else. the time for something else, yeah, with the people that were there. So people would just like pimp their own show, like, what's my show? It's on Tuesdays or whatever, you know. Because right. basically all the crew were actual producers of other shows. Okay. So that's how that worked, you know. You would call your friends and be like, hey, help me out. I'm going to tape on this day. And then all the producers, well, hopefully a lot of producers would show up to help you out and then you'd return the favor. Right. So that's how that work. worked. Well, I remember when I came down, I thought you were just testing. I wasn't oh, really? No, I wasn't prepared at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I brought my guitar, but I just thought I was going to be helping you out and like do testing some levels. And you're like, no. We're taping. And we're I'm like, taping. I'm like, really? You're like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. And then, um, but that was cool. That was the first show. And it was you and it was Carmel Waller who was there. And we take turns. I don't even okay. remember that it was you guys, just two of you guys playing. She'd play a song and you play a song. And we kind of did like a round robin kind of thing. The show was, was it, originally called From Ears and Mouth. From Ears and Mouth and, Presents. Right. And that was from a Bauhaus lyric. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's from a okay. Bauhaus lyrics. I got it from there. And then after, um, I think, I don't know, went on hiatus for a year or something? Or, I don't know. Then I changed the name to um, On the Tip of My Tongue, which is a church lyric. Or it's actually a church song from Marty Wilson Piper. And then that became, since it was an actual, I didn't, I never use a Bauhaus song for an intro, um, but I use like different people's songs. But then for the second part, when it turned into On the Tip of My Tongue, I did use Marty's song as the intro. And I even, I even said, hey, Marty, can I say that you wrote the song for us? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so I'd say, oh, Marty from the church wrote this song for the show, even though it was like a 15 year difference in time, but that's okay. <laughs> Okay. You know. He wrote it for the future. Yeah, exactly. He's like, for my friend who's going to have a cable show, I'm writing this song. Exactly. Well, so how did you uh, get into interviewing musicians? Well, it's really funny because the whole cable cable access world opened up when you remember our mutual friend Trisha Hurlbert. Yeah. Uh, we worked together. And you know what would be so funny if we got a show together, if we, had, we, if we were on TV. And I said, yeah, yeah, we should find out what public access is all about, what you need to do. You know, so we went and at the time you could just go and take classes and you had a show, basically. It was all free. Um, and so we started out having having a show together. And then I said, well, I want to do a local music show because I've always been into music and I can't play music. Um, lack of dedication. Um, so I said, I'll just interview people who do already um, play music. So... And that's how it started, and I just, I, I, she knew you, so she put me in touch with you. And then Carmel, Carmel had been a, lo- a friend, a longtime friend, who she, she played music, and I just wanted to do, like, acoustic stuff, because it was easier. You know, easy setup, person walks in with their acoustic guitar, sit them down, mic them, do levels, and boom, you're on. And um, so that was the easiest thing to do. And then people started asking, oh, can we bring in our full band? Can we do this? Can we do that? I'm like, if you can pull off an acoustic set with your full band, sure. You know, if, if you can't or you have never done it, then I'm, you know, I don't know what it's going to sound like, you know. And so they're like, okay. <laughs> so we'd get people who were totally like, yeah, yeah, let's do it acoustically. It's okay. And then you get people who are like, well, you know, I thought that you'd have this engineer. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not people aren't being paid to crew the show. People are here sacrificing their Saturday mornings and doing all the kindness of their own heart. They may be hungover. They may not know what they're doing. They may never seen a, a, a soundboard before. But, you know, we're just all here to get something good and arable. So, so it was basically just the love for music and, and exposing people who needed exposure in the local Bay Area. So that was my focus. That's right. You know what? Because it was all videos first. It was yeah, all it was videos. Were, it was just yeah. video, one video after another. You know, it was right. just going to be like a video show. And then I said... It was um, before... I think it was before you moved to the actual studio. Right. That's right. Because they didn't have a studio space when we first started. They had a bunch of editing suites and that was it. So so it was easy for me to just solicit videos from people or actually go tape them and then just edit them together and air that. And then when they got this really nice space on market... It was like, oh wow, we can bring in people now. You know, it'll be it'll be better, and 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 then that way it'll cut down on editing time. So we just had like people come in with their guitars and play. We did a little bit of editing, but at the end, at the very end, like the last two or three months of the show, it was live to tape. So basically, you went in and played, oh, okay. and if you messed up, you messed up. You know, I I would tell people to pretend like you're at a gig, and if you mess up, start over. No big deal. It's like it's we're doing live to tape, and it was it was fun because a lot of people were totally game. They're like, oh yeah. 
asked you. I was just like, totally cool. And I'm I was, up. Can I start over? Yeah, exactly. And I would just say, don't say, can I start over? Just give yourself a one-two count, start over, you know? And so right. people would be like, all right. So would you cut that part out or you would nope. air, it, would air it like that? Air it. Air it. <laughs> and so it was kind of cool. It was kind of like doing you know, like the old... Um, Carol Burnett shows that were totally live and people, people started cracking up on stage it'd crack up and it, it, it aired you know and that's it and I tell people we're just going you know and they're like alright and it was kind of charming I think I like. I think it's funny I think it's hilarious yeah you see you see people in a different way and mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes the editing can kind of ruin things I think and mm-hmm. like you, you just let let whatever's supposed to happen happen exactly you know? exactly and then um, and then some, it's so funny because you would see how some people who would totally roll with the punches and and um i remember one time it was a talk show it was another show and i was i was there i was directing and we had like a skeleton crew that day i think we had like two people there to, to crew this huge complicated show and it was live okay so so one of the microphones on one of the guests was going in and out and one of the guys that worked at, at the station in arnell he's like i'm gonna go try it go in there and try to fix it and i said okay so he's crawling across the floor to stay out of like the camera <laughs> to have camera's eye and you know he's he's like goes here he's being really super stealth and we're like oh it's working this is great and all of a sudden the hostess no clue she's like oh no what are you doing crawling on the floor and we're like oh my god that was the whole point you know and it was <laughs> like oh so at you that point you should have the camera and pan at that now. point we did at that <laughs> point we're like alright let's just show what she's talking about because otherwise it's going to be too weird you know so then he just stood up and changed the microphone out and it was like okay well there goes that trying to be like inconspicuous about a malfunction so you know so and that was it was hilarious af- afterwards right. you know and um, you know so you just gotta gotta roll with it so yeah so the life to tape stuff it was easy because you know you just tape the show boom turn it in like okay alright and people are like really oh, yeah it's ready ready to go <laughs> it's ready to go homegrown stuff see a lot of people would, would it was like word of mouth kind of thing it's like like you would come in and say hey I have another friend who can come in and do this right. or whatever I think I told you about uh, wire graffiti wire graffiti yeah yeah and they they actually came down like two or three times to do the show which is good time for a little musical break here is wire graffiti performing real world this town breaks open an empty shell and you can tell where everyone is proud every loiter back and forth from home to down home to down all that candy coated hearts filled with things they bought all they got as they saw the pieces of broken dreams all they see 
other story. Uh, I was directing a show, and we had some rolling tapes. And the rolling tapes, you know, we can vary from 30 seconds to a couple minutes. So we had we cue the rolling tape. The rolling tape came on, and then out of all of a sudden, everybody in in the control room decided to go to the green room and get food during this rolling tape. Well, the rolling tape. <laughs> It was only like about, I don't know, 45 seconds long. And so we come back, and there's nobody in the, in the control room. I mean, there's no audio person to bring the mics back up. There's no uh, graphics person. And, you know, and I'm sitting there directing it. And I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do with nobody in the room? <laughs> so, you know, we, we had to stop. And it was just like a lot, a lot of screaming and stuff happened. And, you know. You, know, you ever fake it and just let it? You know that you know that it's not being recorded. You're like, just keep going. And then, then you lie to him later. You're like, sorry, it, the tape got eaten. We do that all the time. Yeah, we do that all the time. Like, like you know, you'd finish a production. You know, especially if it was a little bit extra stressful. Uh-huh. And you'd be like, oh, guess what? Nothing came out, or like the, there was no audio during the whole thing. And right. people would be like, holy crap, seriously? We'd be like, no, it's fine. You know, so yeah, that would happen all the time. But yeah, you know, I mean, and you, you try not to get angry because, like I said, people are there on their own time, but. That's a bit much. You know, if you're going to commit to do a show, you can't just get up in the middle of the show and say, well, I'm going to go have some snacks, you know, see you later. You know, it's like, no, you can't do that kind of crap. (laughs) And, you know, being the director, you're like, now what do I do? You know, so it's pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. It was sporadic. It was like you never knew what was going to happen. You were you're at the mercy of whoever showed up. And there were people who were cool. There were people who were very professional. And there were other people who were like, "Ah, I don't care. You know, so, and then you try to put out something with high quality and you would just keep your fingers crossed that it was fine. That the people actually got their... Yeah, yeah, the crew and the talent, you know. The talents actually got their act together. Right, that too, you know. And, you know, I mean, most of the time I got to say, everybody was pretty right on, you know. I mean, they show up frumpy and wrinkled, but, you know, they they play their their guitars okay. And, and, you know, and then, of course, you'd be like, oh, I didn't know. And it's like, what do you mean you didn't know? You're going to be on TV, dude. This is not radio. It's like, you get a people are going to see you you know there's a reason why i told you not to wear blue so we could see you because you know we use sometimes we use a blue screen or we'd have blue background we do blue lighting um because it's the easiest lighting to do then p i'd say don't wear blue because then we're not gonna be able to see you it should be this floating head randomly on the screen <laughs> i've seen that as an effect before people just floating around right exactly <laughs> and they got like this whole psychedelic thing going on yeah. like as a lower body kind of thing and so and then you know that's why some people would bring in their change of clothes which i like two people did in the whole time we aired, and I was like, "Wow, I was very impressed with the change." Okay. Like Catherine is one for Simon for uh, uh, Wire Graffiti, oh, okay. and she would tell her boys in the band, "Don't wear jeans," and it would just make me laugh. And they'd be like, "Why not?" She's like, "Cause you're gonna be on television." So she had them like, you know, sure you wear. Yeah, she had them on, you know, on notice, and um, and yeah, like I said, other like the the single boys who would come in with their guitars, they'd be like. Oh, you know, like still rubbing their eyes. I mean, it was a Saturday morning at 11. It wasn't like it was 7 o'clock in the morning. Give me a break. So, and then I also have other people who'd be like, can we go outside and like smoke? And I'm like, uh, yeah, not in here. They're like, oh, well, can we like really smoke? Like, you know, and I'm not talking serious. And I'm like, go to the back alley and smoke. You can't smoke in here. But yeah, if you want to go smoke, but come right back. <laughs> like, because we're doing a show. And they're like, oh, it's just, I'm really nervous. I'm just like, do that at home and then come here. You know, it's like, my God. Have your act together. Together, people. And so that was pretty funny. Were you the producer? Were you just the director? Yeah. I mean, I know it was your own show, but like right. when you were in there, you were like, 
directing. How, no, yeah. How does that go? Um, it, at first, when you first, like your first directing gig or whatever, is really, really nerve wracking because basically you're in charge of everything. You know, you say when the microphones get open, you say when the roll ins happen. My show is really easy because it's basically you're taping a live show. You're taping a person who's on stage just performing a song. And you just get creative with the camera angles and the camera shots and stuff. And I would just try to get really creative people with good eyes on the cameras because that was crucial. Because a lot of times you'd have people just standing there, not doing anything. Um, because they were used to shooting maybe a news show or a talk show, which was a lot of what came into public access. Or like interview show, one-on-one. So it's just right. camera one, camera two, camera one, camera two. With a music show, you got to move around, be a little bit more creative and stuff like that. So you're talking to the camera operators. Constantly. While- Okay, yeah, well, constantly. Did you like ever that. get, like, bios of people beforehand? Um, in some cases, maybe? You know, yeah, I did. If it, if I were doing the research, if I was doing the research myself, yeah. But if they came in saying, I know so-and-so, or so-and-so told me to get a hold of you, or so-and-so said we'd be a good fit. You're just like, fine. I'd be like, all right, cool. You know, no problem. They've already done the homework for me. So my bad there. But, um, you know, it was... <laughs> It was still a good learning experience, and still, you know, we got people to work the cameras and stuff and do lighting, so it was always a learning experience, regardless. And they had the biggest egos ever, and it was just like, get out of the studio, get out of here, get out, you know, you don't need you you type of people here. (laughs) It was just ridiculous, yeah, there was a lot of people who had outrageous expectations, it was like, no. (laughs) Yeah, oh, and the biggest thing we'd always tell people is, like, we don't have monitors, Okay. And I know that's really hard for musicians to hear themselves, you know, but you have to understand that this studio, it was like a multi-purpose studio. So you have people who came in and did poetry readings, people who did performance art, people who did talk shows, people who just rambled for an hour. So they had to, you know, they weren't specifically geared towards music per se. So we didn't have monitors. So some people would bring in their own PAs and bring in their monitors and that was fine. But other people would be like, I can't hear myself, I can't perform. And it's like, oh, come on, you know, you can do it. You sit there and do it at your house, you know. So, yeah, we had a lot of complaints like that. But I would tell people, don't have outrageous expectations. We don't have monitors. And if that's not going to be a problem, you're welcome to come. If it's going to be a problem, there's no way we can fix it. So, you know, and most people were cool about it. So that was awesome. And then another things we would do is like, let's say if somebody says, no, I absolutely can't perform without one. Which you can then give me a video of you guys performing that you already have, that you like. We'll do a sit-down interview, and then we'll cut in the video. This is, this is when we did still, still do editing, when we were still doing editing. Um, but then afterwards, I just said it's live to tape. No monitor. Come on if you want to. Be adventurous. Come on, be on TV. You know, so people would, would say, okay, let's do it. We'll do it. We'll go do it. So, well, yeah, so what? To them. So what happened with the show? I mean, the funding, funding for, they for got the rid of public access. Okay. Yeah, they just, just and that's what did the kibosh. That's what, it, what happened. It ended. They're, it's still going on through the um, Bay Area Video Coalition, BABC, but they charge now. Before it was all, oh, okay. it was completely free the time and everything. Public and it was access. Public access. Yeah. Now it's not so much public access. So some people are continuing with their shows, but. So not only do you have to know the right people, you got to. Oh, that's right. That's right. That is correct. So, unfortunately, um, even even before that happened, there was already you know some grumblings going on in public access um, with mismanagement of time and and equipment. Not the crew, but the higher ups. You know, so I was already kind of distancing myself from it, and um, and I knew that even if public access were saved. 
But if, if management didn't change, I wasn't going to continue with it because there was just too many problems, and they were just making it really, really hard for producers. So like political stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it seems it's, to always come into right, play. Right, 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 right. Exactly. So, and it was just laughable to me. And I'm like, you know, I'm not doing this for stress, or you know, this is for fun. You know, I'm doing this for fun. I'm not. I don't want to come and do a show and go home and be upset. So when it stops being fun, you know, I just walked away. So and it was great though because it's like. Like I got to have Marty Wilson Piper from the church, uh, whose song we used for for the intro, to actually come on the show. So for me, that was like the ultimate. That was like I can stop doing the show tomorrow because that was, was that the amazing last? for me. Was it wasn't the last last show, but it was okay. one of the last shows, like within a year. And I was like, that's it for me. It's like pff, I've done. done it. Yeah. Okay. So really happy how it came out. He was like, well, he kind of wanted to have an audience, and we were restricted to how many people you could bring in, so I couldn't bring in, like, a lot of people, even though, in retrospect, it would have been cool to bring in, like, maybe 10 people to sit on the floor, and maybe, you know, do, like, the, the All You Need Is Love video from the Beatles, you know, where everyone's just sitting around kind of thing. Right. That would have been awesome. Um, but we couldn't do it. So, still, we got really good songs out of it. They're up on YouTube, and uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. I'm really happy with them, so... Did you end up making a YouTube... uh, I have a YouTube channel. There's only like about four or five videos on there, reason being because it's... from the the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a... um, And it's funny because I had a hard time getting from (laughs) mini-DV to um, um, video that I can air, MP3s or or whatever. It's funny because this one guy who came on the show, Lee Gregory, who's from Mellow Drunk, who used to be on Brian Jonestown's Massacre, um, they came in, and this was crazy because I said, all right... um, one of the guys in the band I said yeah you can come and do an acoustic show and he showed up with like seven of his best friends and I'm like dude I thought it was just gonna be you so now we're scrambling to mic seven people you know like guitars horn percussion it's like drums enough take forever to do and to get the mix right and if you don't have a good engineer it's screwed so it was like a panic mode you know it came out okay we pulled it off it was fine I couldn't get the stuff online so what ended up happening is that Lee Gregory took this DVD I gave him, sent it to friends of his in Germany, a friend of his in Germany. <laughs> this guy did it and t- you know ripped all the video off of the C- of the DVD and put it online. So from this long way around, we finally got the footage up. Okay. So that's crazy. And so um, it's taking me little by little. I found this great software called um, um, Handbrake. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, it rips DVDs. It rips videos off of the DVDs. And so then you can manipulate them, edit them really quickly, and then just throw them, throw them up. You know, they'll do like a, a movie file, a quick file, a quick time file, or something that you could just put up. So I was able to do that with a couple of songs, Marty songs, and then um, um, this other guy named Rick Harden got a couple of his songs up. I just have to find the, you know, again, the time to get it because it's tons of stuff. Because I got tons of DVDs of people, of mini DVDs of people that I would love to get on online. You know, because that would be great because it was a lot of really great music. That we and, were able to and you, record. And you can do that, though, legally? I mean, in terms of... It was your show, so right. you can put them up? Um, I mean, with uh, the yeah, artist permission. Right, with mean. the art, You know, if I say, hey, I'm going to put... You know, I have that stuff up there. They've seen it. No one said take it down, you know? And um, we never... Oh, well, we never signed a waiver. Nobody ever signed a waiver. So it was mostly on a handshake and an understanding that they were good. I mean, they're coming in... They're coming in to do a show, a television show, so they know yeah. they're going to be aired. You know what I mean? So it's not, it's, you're there, what else do you think is going to happen with this stuff? 
I'm not taping it to just keep it in my drawer, you know, it's going to be aired. So it was that mutual understanding. And so far, touch wood, nothing, nothing has, you know, come back to bite me. Um, just no money in it. Right. Oh, Did anyone you know. uh, that you interviewed early on ever, like, just blow up and become a star? People are still making music. I mean, no one's, like, gone away. Um, like, like Paul Manusos, who came on the show, he, he was there with his band called Power 13. Um, and then after that, he went solo. So he's still making music. He's still playing around. Uh, Lee Gregory from Mellow Drunk, he's still playing around. He's still making music. Um... Catherine Wine Graffiti, they, they play down in, out in Oakland um, several times. And um, Carmen Carmel is still playing. Lisa Mandelstein is still playing. So not that they haven't blown up, per se, but they're still productive. and They're still playing. They haven't hung it up. So right. that's pretty cool. I think, like, perhaps the most famous people that have been on the show have been, like, the guys from the church, um, the Hot House Flowers... Um, it's basically just shows that I went to with my camera, you know. Um, oh, so you actually went to see live performances and then recorded took, them, took some right. video and then maybe interviewed them. Right, right. For example, with Colin Devlin, who was in a band called The Devlins, they came out to Slims with the Hot House Flowers. So in Ireland, the Hot House Flowers are huge. In other parts of the world, they're super huge. So what I did was I just put the camera on a tripod and asked the lead singer of the Hot House Flowers, Liam. To interview Colin Devlin for the magazine, <laughs> so they did. And I mean, they used my questions, and it was hilarious, you know. And then Colin came up to me afterwards, and he goes, "You don't realize how important that was." And I'm like, "Really?" He goes, "Oh, that's such a big deal." And I'm like, yeah. "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah, that is such a big deal." I'm like, oh, "All right, cool." So what was going to happen at the time is that this, these two women that I knew were doing a documentary on the Hot House Flowers. It never aired because of internal bickering, but they were going to use that interview as part of like the extras. Um, that I did so okay. that would have been really really cool but unfortunately it never happened so we'll see what happens with so, that so it's still I still have it and I have fo- still photos up on on Facebook so of, of that interview which is just really funny there's a part where they both just start speaking Gaelic and it was like it's really it's <laughs> like, like the interview goes <laughs> into yeah Gaelic. <laughs> it goes into Gaelic and it's like okay <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about um <laughs> So, yeah, so, you know, and I played videos from R.E.M., and I played, you know, um, the beginning of The Hunger of the movie The Hunger, because of Bauhaus, I say, this is where I got this song from, you know, Bella Lugosi's Dead. Um, so, yeah, but as far as, like, somebody who's come on and then went on to be a superstar that, like, doesn't return my calls anymore, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like, P.C. Munoz. Uh, who hopefully we'll hear a song from him later. He's still making music, and he contributes with a lot of people. He's contributed with Jackson Brown. Um, okay. Yeah, with Dr. Fink. I want to say Dr. Fink, the guy from uh, Prince, Prince's band? Dr. Funk. Yeah. Dr. Fink. Fink I think right? it's Dr. Fink. Yeah. So he's played on his record. So he's very productive, and, he, and he's still playing. So, so PC Munoz. And, uh, oh, another guy that was on that's still playing a lot is Lane Merchantson. He's like Lane in the Badass Chicken Bones back in the day. They would play. <laughs> yeah, he got to come down with uh, James Nash. Because once in a while you do get a Badass Chicken Bone. You get a Badass Chicken Bone, my friend. And, uh, and they're really good. And, and they had, um, they actually made a video with one of the, of some of the footage that I took. So they took this footage that I shot and put it, used one of their songs for it called Bobby Pins. And we played that a lot on the on my show so that was cool that was really cool and he plays a lot out now solo so 
And there's a picture of him with with Apollo Anton Ono, and I was like, whatever, you know, because... I don't know who that is. He's the speed skater dude who was like a sensation, won like five gold medals in the Winter Olympics and stuff. So there was a picture of of Lane and Apollo on his Facebook, and I was very jealous. (laughs) 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 So it was pretty cool. I liked it. Um, I wish I could be the, the, the vehicle to spring somebody from obscurity to stardom, but that that's never happened. And are you doing anything else in music these days? Um, oh, I review a CD once in a while for, for associate, associated content. That is now Yahoo. Yahoo took it over. And so you could write reviews and put them up. So some of those are up on there. Um, like I reviewed um, Martin Kennedy and Steve Kilby, who's the lead singer from the church. And they've collaborated together. So I reviewed a, a video that they put out of a performance that they did in Australia. So that was- Here is Martin Kennedy and Steve Kilby with Mountain. Well, I climbed up the mountain and drowned in the sea I lay down in the tombstones It's what you asked of me bands played and like for instance um, we were in Costa Rica and there was this guy named Fabio Avelina who turned out playing at this restaurant that we were we in now and he was amazing he was an amazing guy just this one guy from Brazil you know he had the loops going so he played you know put down some tracks and then he'd sing over them and everything and, he, and it was just his guitar and his funky percussion stuff and he was just fantastic and we wanted to get a CD but he sold out, so you know I would have loved to have brought that music back and, and reviewed it or put it online available to people because the guy was amazing. So I was looking out for for new and exciting stuff. You have you his know. name, so you could go maybe find him. Yeah, I have his email address, so I need to to email him 
and uh, and see if he has anything online that's available because he's really good. Really good. It's just if it had been perfect for the show. Just one guy. Okay. One guy's guitar and is all this really little crazy stuff. So. Are there any other groups that want you had them on the show and then you're like, I really love this band. And, um, or this group yeah, this artist, yeah. you know, and, yeah. then, and then you're still a fan of their music. Yeah, today. like basically you'll go see them anywhere. Well, well you know, I gotta say that that's that's true for PC Munoz because it's always fresh and always new kind of stuff. I mean, um, he has like um, songs called Brunching Britney and the Homeboy, and you know, it's just hilarious stuff. His lyrics are really, really clever. Um, and so, yeah, he's I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of Paul because this is the thing to, for me, since I'm not a musician, for somebody to just go up there like what you did, to go up there with just you and your guitar and fill in a half an hour with music is beyond me because, you know, you're up there with an electric band, you can basically hide. But you're if you strip you down the acoustic, and that's why a lot of people were kind of like, oh, I don't want to do it. It's amazing that you can get up there and, and do it. It's just like, wow, this is really cool. I remember we were doing a sound check before a show, um, this one band, and they were electric. They were going to do electric. I can't remember who it was. They were electric. And we'd have to do the vocal checks, right, the mic checks. And we're like, okay, just sing you a cappella. And they just were like, uh, all right. And they would do it really quickly, and they were terrible, right? <laughs> they were terrible. So then when, you know, when they started playing all together, and oh, yeah, I remember who it is. I'm not going to say what it is. Um, they, would, um, they sounded awful, awful, awful. But then when it got into their, and their regular electric stuff, you know, it was fine because now they've got everything else to hide under, and you know. So, so to go up and do a set acoustically or to do songs acoustically or just you strip down to your guitar is, blows my mind. So that, that I'm a big fan of that. So, you know, be it woman, man, duo, trio, to just do that acoustically and have it fit so wonderfully is just amazing to me. That blows my mind. So I'm a fan of anybody who can do that and pull it off because it's not easy. The, a friend of mine, he came in and he, oh, and he was late. So we had to kind of like rush it, you know, but afterwards he, he was like, I was so nervous. I didn't know there were going to be like three cameras and, you know, and, and it just, it just cracked me up because I'm just like, do you not read the emails that I sent you? <laughs> you know? you don't, they just say, oh, it's a date. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll bring my bongo, you know? And, uh, so it's, it's pretty funny. It was just pretty funny. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, I was I was lucky in the sense that, like, a lot of people did come with the, the sense of what it was all about, which was just, like, having a good time on a Saturday morning and just playing stuff. And I would tell them, you know, like, when we were still doing editing, just go on and do your set. If you mess up, start over. It's no big deal. It's low pressure, no pressure. Just have fun. You know, if you have a new song you want to try it out, do it. You know, whatever. So people would do that. And then... Um, That's they- generally when, when people actually put their best stuff out is when they're relaxed. Right. When they're like, you could maybe tell them we're not recording this and they will play the best, you know, take. And then when you get to, Oh, we're recording now, then it's not as good. Right. For something, something's missing there. There's, there's some little, you know, maybe it's just people being relaxed. Yeah. And well, it's daunting to hear the uh, quiet on the set. Ten in the countdown. Ten, uh, nine. It is pretty daunting, you know, and, and, right? And then have someone like, you know point at you, and the red light comes on. It's like ah, you're in a headlight, you know. So, and and I understand that. And um, so you know, you just got to tell the musicians, you know, the cameras are gonna be moving around. You, if you want to look in the camera, you're comfortable with that. Do it. If you're not, don't look at the camera, and you know, just play. And we'll we'll get the best out of you. Whatever, fine. So everyone was cool with it. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Met a lot of people. 
a lot of people are good friends now, so it's pretty cool. And that's where it gets blurred to like, how did you meet them or how did you run into them? It's like, oh man, I don't remember, you know, because like, you know, kind of hang around with them now and it's like, you know, um, I don't know, but it was just like good, good, positive stuff. Um, and another friend of mine, um, Casey actually set up a, a band to come in and I assumed he was going to come, but he was the band. I'm like, Oh, I'll see you on Saturday. And he's like, Oh no, I'm not going to be there. I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to be there? I thought it was your band. He goes, no, it's not my band. It's just a friend that I know. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> right you know, like news to me? Yeah, news to me. So there were a lot of surprises. You kept on your toes and you had to just be flexible with it and just, just roll with it because there's nothing you could do. Right. Like I was telling you about the band that didn't show up there or like a lot of young guys and you said, well, what do you do when you find out or how did you find out? You know, time ticks, time ticks, time ticks. It's supposed to be at our 1130. It's now 12. And it was this woman at the studio who had recommended them. And so she started calling him and calling him and calling him. It turns out that one of the guys was celebrating a birthday the night before, and they were all hungover, so they didn't get up. So they were still asleep. They were still in bed. So she was furious. She took it a lot harder than I did. And she was, like, apologizing profusely. I'm so sorry. I'm like, it wasn't your fault. It was these guys, you know, they're they're young. Not that that's an excuse, that they're young. But, um, for example, when I did, like, my first film in school, um, it was called Split Generations, and it was about the music scene in L.A. So it was, like, the punk rockers, the hair bands, and, um, and like the mods and one of my best friends was like a, a rocker. She was all into like rad and Motley Crue and poison and all these guys. Right. So I interviewed her. So we were like, in, I was recording her getting dressed for a gig and I caught a bit of her bare ass right on film. And she's like, you better not air that. I'm like, no, 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 I'll take it out. Well, I got an A because I had, I was the only one who had nudity in her film. <laughs> <laughs> She never knew. She never saw oh, she never knew. No, okay. no. She's mother of two now. She doesn't need to know. You know, so, yeah. That was really good. Yeah. <laughs> so. She's listening to music like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, probably. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, she's a Facebook friend. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Well, I got an A. You should be happy. It was your ass who got me the A. So, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is your background? Um, did you, where did you, I almost wanted to do, are you from around here? No, 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 actually, well, actually I was, if you go way back, I was born in Mexico. Then we came up, um, and lived in Southern California for about 20 plus years. And then after that moved up here, but always been in the music scene, like in Southern California, when like Bauhaus hit and when like The Cure was hitting and when U2 was hitting, R.E.M., you know, all that stuff. So always in the music scene, always going out and seeing bands play in Hollywood. Um, and, you know, going to see local bands. That was, And I had a fanzine back then. So I started with a fanzine okay. that was called From Ears and Mouth. And so we were in print for like about five years. Um, and then it just got really... And this was like before, you know, Photoshop. And this is before computers. It was all done by hand and copiers. You know, you'd get the zero at the Kinkos, right? Where the bands making flyers for their bands. Our coming gigs, we were making flyers for our fanzine and like, you know, trying to make it look semi-decent and a lot of cut and paste, literally cutting pasting, you know, scissors yeah. and the Elmer's glue. I, I remember doing plenty of flyers. There like you that. go. Exactly. So, you know, imagine that like 25 pages of stuff and then stapling them all by hand and then going to a Music Plus or a Tower Records or a, a licorice pizza back then and saying, hey, will you take my fanzine on consignment? And some people would say yes and some people would say no. So, you, you know, so it was like. 
that's when you found out basically that running an, a magazine is all about money. So that's why you see so many ads, right. you know, to pay for that. It doesn't, it could be a piece of crap magazine, but if you've got the ads, you're going to be able to keep producing. Yeah. Um, so eventually we ran out of money and just said, oh, forget it. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. It's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. And then you got the critics who would say, oh, your fanzine is just about all the bands that you like. And I'm like, well, why am I going to waste a page or two on bands that I don't like? That makes no sense. You know, like to write about somebody that I hate. Why? So I would rather give the exposure to bands that I like and I promote. Here is PC Munoz with Hell No. Will I stop popping tongues? Will I wear neon color bright jeans? Will my man of zero? Will I now speak in code? So nobody knows what I mean. Shall I switch up my style? Should I jump on the pile just to please the emperor's new clothes? Will I aim to appease? Shoot myself with disease. Stop practicing the latest pose. Hell no. To pretend that this is as good as it gets Will I waste half my life with drama and strife And hope folks forgive and forget Will I sign on that line in the various kind Selling the devil my soul Will I forget who I am and not give a damn And let someone else take control Hell no So you're an artist now. What what connection do you feel uh, that art and music? Well, you know, it's so funny because I think it definitely does have a connection. I think it's another form of creating. And I, I, I it's so funny because ironically I was named after St. Cecilia. He's the patron saint of the musicians. I don't know if you need oh. a lot of Catholic friends out there. Um, and my grandmother, my, my paternal grandmother, taught guitar her whole life. And my brother plays guitar, and um, I just never had the dedication. You know, I can play Bad Moon Rising. That's about it, because it's three parts. Um, so um, I gravitated towards painting one day. I'm like, oh, I really want to do some abstract, abstract art. So I, I just, the whole colors and mixing and stuff like that. And your stuff is, like, really cool. I get inspired when you post, like, your paintings. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to paint this weekend, you know. And so... Um, and I listen to music mostly when I, when I paint, so there's a connection there. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't really, I can't really say, oh, this piece was inspired by this song. Um, it's, it's a disconnect for me for some reason, but, um, the music is always on and perhaps that just allows me to channel this other side of, of my brain into painting. I don't know. I don't know, but it definitely music is always, and music is always going to be a part of my life. 
I know that for sure. What does music mean to you? It's just like, it's just like breathing, you know, it's just, it's inspiring. Number one, it's unexpected, you know, like, like in that time in Costa Rica, I had no idea there was going to be music and wow, what a joy to have this man play, you know, and be like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. Um, it's just, it's inspiring. It's awe-inspiring really, because since it's something that I've never really achieved, it's like, it's mind-blowing to me. It's kind of sort of a mystery to me. Um, and so it's just, it's such a passion. I don't know. It's just, I just finding these little hidden gems here and there. And I like it when you start with one band or one type of music and that leads you to another one, perhaps like videos on YouTube, you know, and other people come up that are similar and you check them out. And you're like, Oh man, these guys are great. And they're like, Oh, they have three albums. Well, let me listen to them, you know? And so it's just, it's, it's like feeding this hunger, you know? For music and it's always there and it's, it's very lucky that there's so much out there that we have so much access to it and you do have to put in your research right otherwise you're stuck with all this top 40 that they want to feed you but if you yeah. do like yeah exactly shudder but if you do a little bit of research you found all these like people who may not be successful or reaching the people they want to reach but they're all for you you know you can go get their cd and then this is my band you know i listen these are the guys i go to this is my go-to music this is what i want and then that leads you to other things, and it's just luckily never-ending and hopefully never-ending, you know, that you can always find a new band. Because sometimes you're like, okay, well, I have everything. My, my music collection is complete. Well, it isn't, you know. If you do your research, if you find stuff, if there's a spark that you find in one song, and, oh, he co-wrote this with this woman, well, let me listen to her solo stuff. Right. And that takes you to other things, and you're like, oh, my gosh, she's amazing. It's great. And, and actually, you guys are inspiring me to find out how to do... A podcast. So, <laughs> you know, like a, a friend of mine we're talking about, her, she wants to do a completely different non-music related podcast. And so I, I said, we'll find out how to do it and then we'll try to do it. And then I'm probably going to gravitate towards doing more music stuff. We'll see. And what's really cool that I like is that I enjoy also the Latin music, you know, like, like you asked me the other day, do you have any mariachi music? And I'm like, not as much as I should. <laughs> you know, it's ironic because when I lived in Mexico, I hated it. I hated it, you know, like... Well, because it's everywhere. Cause it, well, because it's there, and it's just, like, so lame, you know. It's like if you're listening to, like, country music here, because it's country music, it's country music. Right. And it's just like, ugh, you know, how stupid. But then um, <laughs> you, you get older, and you, you know, you're a cynical teenager, you know, preteen or whatever. I don't want to listen to that kind of crap. And then, um, so then you come here, and you're like, wow, okay, you can appreciate it now. So it's music you can appreciate, like, that you overlooked before and you're like well now I know what it means and I know that's how people communicated and that you know so it was like wow so it's a trip so now I really dig it and I know that my cousins in Mexico are probably going oh good lord are you serious because they're probably like oh, <laughs> that is just like the worst ever you know because they're listening to you know Red Hot Chili Peppers and Metallica and still the Beatles and the Who and all that kind of stuff. it's very Americanized yeah. so they kind of like turn their back on, on people from from there it's very strange it's really really strange this was all just a labor of love, and, and music to me is still very important and present, and it's just, it means a great deal. It's just, you know, gets you out of the bad mood, it, uh, or, 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 or is there with you in your bad mood, you can definitely find something. Yeah. It just is something to, to either enhance your present mood or get you out of uh, your present mood. So it's a lifesaver, I think, in a lot of ways stuff that reflects maybe what's going on in your life at the time. 
um, like for, for instance, I was into kind of like photographs. Like if you listen to a song that comes on and you're like, oh my God, I remember that song when I was a kid. And I was here, and I was doing this. It was the summer when I was at the beach. Yeah, or whatever. memory comes. A back. memory comes yeah. back. So it's like a flash, you know, a little part of your life. Right. You know, certain songs. I yeah, think. I get that too. Yeah, I, I think that's very common for everybody. Like I, I think. hear a song and I haven't heard in a long time, and then all of a sudden, I'm back when I was a kid, and I'm going, "Wow, I haven't thought about that memory exactly. since whenever." Yeah, and it's just that that the sound triggers it, and it's always going to be with you, and it's it's it's. It's really powerful. I think it's su- it's really really powerful. And then you start thinking about other things, like oh, I was with these people and they were awesome, or that was that maybe you know, and then maybe pick up the phone and call them. You know, it's like whatever. So it's it's a trigger definitely to to what's what we went through. Um, and I think it's cool. And I think yeah, I think for like photographs, you know, uh, audio photographs. Is that possible? An audio photograph? Can we coin that phrase? I don't know. Has someone done that? You heard Do it. Do a search. You heard it here. <laughs> Do a search. <laughs> Let's see. What else can I tell you? Well, it's funny. Um, there was this one band called It's a Whale. <clears throat> and there were these boys. They, they've moved to Seattle or something. I guess they can make it bigger in Seattle. I don't know. But anyway, they were really cool. It was a big piece band. And the way I found them was I was actually interviewing a promoter dude. And they were at um, at this little tiny club, and I'm like, oh, they're pretty good, you know. So I said, hey, I do the show. Do you guys want to come down and do it? So they said, yeah. So two of them showed up, and one of them had never done acoustic. Their song was acoustically before. So he was just sitting there going, you know, what do I do? Like, the least singer's like, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this, you know. And he'd do it, and he's like, wow, it sounds so different when we do it acoustically. So, you know, that's, like, funny. Like, these new revelations, you know, are happening in front of the cameras, which is really cool. And I was just, like, laughing. I'm like, it's, it's all good. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I just got, a, like, a piece of advice for people. This is when Marty came to the show. Um, actually, sprang for catering. Because, you know, as a, as a director, you have to feed your crew. So that was another thing directors had to do was bring in food. And sometimes, well, you didn't have to, but if you wanted to have a happy crew and talent, right. you brought in food. So I actually sprung for catering. Um, my, <coughs> my bad was I, I ordered um, pasta. So fed everybody. And what do you want to do after you eat a lot of carbs? Do you want to go to sleep? So, trying to get my crew to be, like, into it, into it, when Marty Wilson Piper was playing was really difficult. So, keep your crew hungry until the shoot is over, and then feed them, because that was just not good. Right. (laughs) Not good. And also, find out, like, diet restrictions of your talent. So, it turns out my talent didn't eat tomatoes. Okay. (laughs) Vegetarian and no tomatoes. Give me a break. What was your most memorable interview? This, we had this, we had a lot. Okay. Public access attracted a wide variety of people. People that you wanted to hang out with, people that you were kind of afraid of, and people that you were just like, call security now. Um, We had a diverse group of producers. So they were like, you know, everything. It was like the Rainbow Coalition. So, um, and they had to give access to everybody. So we had a lot of people who did religious shows. And they were very intolerant. Okay. So they would go on there and badmouth, for example, the gay community. And a lot of the producers were gay. And they would go crew on these shows because, again, out of the kindness of their own heart. It was a community thing. It's like, yeah, I'll go crew your show. And then it was just kind of hard to be behind the camera and have this guy bad-mouthing 
your lifestyle like viciously and still being professional to stay on the camera. So they would tell me, they told me that one time that this one guy was doing that. And he was like, come down to the studio, all of you righteous Christians, blah, 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 blah. Our address is the market. Turns out he was giving the address to the LGBT um, office up the street. And so, <laughs> and so all the guys and, and, and women that knew what he was doing just kept their mouth shut. They're like, yeah, have a want to show up over there and have a, like a big eye opening. You know, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So they were laughing over the camera like, oh yeah, I keep saying that address to you, idiot. So, you know, <laughs> it was just incredible. It was incredible the stuff that would happen. Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, and other stuff, other stuff was bad in the sense that there was this one producer and a lot of people didn't like her, but she had every right to be there. And she got into a screaming match with the owner. Well, not the owner, the CEO. And he called the cops on her to remove her. So that was, like, insane. So how much love can I give to one song? All right. Follow the bouncing ball and just run along. Running, skipping, and tripping on the beat. How can you dance with your two left feet? Cause Richmond rocks with the foghorn blues. Some come out and make the front page news. Back to normal in the cold death fog. Still I prefer it to the LA smog. Life in Serengeti can't really be hard. Drive around, caterpillars fill my car. Assassins of an army making peace, not war. Battle for an art that we live and die for. Whether united, together, divided. We all play a harmony for a greater two. Imagine the sound of which man comes immune. Hoping we come into our senses soon. We all are different. We all are one when we accept each other. We truly have one. So, and then you get people who were just like... They go from one addiction to another, you know, like, like there were people who were like, well, I'm a preacher now. I used to be a heroin addict. And then you'd watch the show and they're like, holy crap, I can see what you're addicted to now. You know, so it was just <laughs> it was crazy stuff. And it's like, do you want to crew my show? It's like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you, it was just trippy, 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 trippy. You think you know the people of, of San Francisco pretty much? No, there's just a lot of stuff that you just don't know until like, you work at public access or have an open mic night. Oh, my God. I don't know if you did, ever saw one. Did you have one? No, of they used to sure? have one of those. No, they used to have one of those. And they'd get like the weirdest, weirdest people on there. And, um, you know, they, it was just crazy. It was just freaking crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. The good thing about public access is like you have a show about anything. This one guy show, had a show about karaoke. So people go on and sing karaoke. And that was, you know, that was good for the stoners late at night. You know, people were just like, you know, because he has all this psychedelic stuff going around in the background. And I say, it was one of, the, one of the better shows you would flip through late at night and there'd be just sometimes stuff you'd <laughs> never think you'd see on television. And I'm like, yes. there's that, you know. Yes, yes. I remember my friend Brian was telling me about the story that he was watching and they were, um, somebody was interviewing somebody else and they had, um, they were smoking a joint, um, and it because it was done at somebody's house, and that's fine. You can do that. You can do that. You can swear. You can do whatever you want. You know. Um, and so he's like, and as the show continued, it's like it just got more and more sporadic. The questions were like, so the guy would be like, yeah. So and he'd rub his eyes, and he'd like, you know, be like, so what were we talking about? And it just got like completely distracted. It was like half an hour of that. You know, it was like so funny. 
And then there was this other guy who had this really cool show, and he would interview people, but they would both be looking at the camera. So they'd be both facing the camera. One's a little, the, the guy that he's interviewed is a little bit behind them, so over shoulder, they'd be like, so tell me about, you know, it was really weird to get these two guys looking at the camera. One guy interviewing, <laughs> the other guy like asking the questions over shoulder. So yeah, so just crazy stuff like that. So it was a great outlet. It was really creative, really creative. He had his good and his bad things, just like everything else. But um, yeah, it was super creative, and, and uh, a lot of people liked being on our show because we had I had I was lucky to have like the best crew ever, like the cream of the crop people would show up to help me, and it was awesome. They were all great. They were all great. So Rod and Dina and Arnell and Tina and all those people out there, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. It was awesome. You guys were great. Um, and Scott and Bobby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And like tons of others, but you know, you know who you are. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I wish it could have gone on for a long, long time, but unfortunately, you know, money, 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 and budget. And uh, they thought the, st- the city would be better without a public access channel, which I don't agree with. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? So the podcast, like, I'm trying to get people who were doing their shows to to look into that, especially like this one guy Rod who was doing um, news news show stuff that people weren't covering in the ma- in you know, the major stations. Stuff, oh, like you know, underground news. Underground news, you know, stuff that was really going on here, you know, really exciting stuff. And um, Of course, with that, with the cable access show, would was he doing live? Um, I mean, like, no, was no, it like no. He was taping it in like a few days later, so it wasn't exactly It wasn't news current. news, but no, but it was stuff kind of <clears> like, <throat> um, like um, one of the, and a gentleman who's on death row right now, I don't remember his name, I, I apologize, but they would go interview him and talk to him and, and air that kind of stuff, and... Um, it was within it was in within like three days of whatever happened, so it wasn't like it was like super old stuff. Okay. So it was still fresh, and they had a lot of rolling tapes and people. Um, they had a lot of segments like women's desk and all stuff like that. So just stuff that people didn't report on, and they actually won a couple of local awards, which is pretty good, pretty cool. It's called it was called Newsroom, and um, so I'm surprised that they're not doing the podcast because they were really successful. Um, so I thought they were definitely going to do because they were looking into actually getting a space and, and still broadcasting and, and doing that somehow, but I don't know what they did. So, yeah. And they always, and, you know, they said, if you ever want to do a music segment on our show, like we did, and I did a couple of reporting stuff and that they would put into the show and be like, I'd be like the musical segment. Um, so that was cool. Yeah. It was a good exposure. They, they produced a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of shows. It was mismanagement from the from inside, but um, you know it was it was great while it lasted. It was a lot of fun. But it wasn't just the the public access show that the funding went from. It was a whole bunch of things, wasn't it? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, it happened. It started happening in the East Coast. We were shutting down all the public access stations. Then it hit us. Um, and it was it was internal San Francisco stuff. PG&E had their hand in it. PUC, um, of course, Comcast. You know they're not a hero in this. And so yeah, it was just bad, bad, bad. Well, now they're trying to do the funding for for um, um, PBS that's on the chopping block. So yeah, it's just you know it's not a good thing. It's, it's kind of like taking the culture away from cities and stuff, outlets for people. No, there should be more of that stuff. Rather exactly. Than less. Rather than less. I mean, figure the amount of money that people spend on entertainment, TV and yeah, exactly. Cable. There should be some percentage of that that goes towards public access. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's unfortunate. 
but you know, people, things spring up like these podcasts, which are great, you know, and, and, you know, so people are going to keep forging ahead and as long as there's venues for people to play and stuff. So now it's YouTube. Now it's YouTube. Exactly. Exactly. And I even get it like a a really nice HD camera, pretty decent sound and video, put their stuff up, you know? Yeah. So it's not going to, it's not going to stop. It's not going to go away. It's just a little bit more difficult and you got to do a little bit more research and, you know, you know, and, you know, sometimes, um, Raphael, my husband would ask me, well, why do you keep doing it? Cause, cause you're like, I go, no, cause it's fun for me. It might look like that I'm stressed or whatever, but no, it's fun. Cause if I didn't have this, I don't know what I would do. So like right now I'm kind of like, I don't know what I should do kind of mode. So I need to find another outlet or I'm going to start like robbing banks or something. Um, so I'll edit that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. Save that one for later. It might <laughs> <See>? come handy. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Take that back. I'm Josh Allman for Music Life Radio. I'd like to thank Cecilia as well as all of the musicians who contributed music for this episode of Music Life Radio Steve Kilby and Martin Kennedy, PC Munoz, and Wire Graffiti. And here is PC Munoz with Hippie Girl. Fell in love with the hippie girl Long black hair and another curve Now I'm sipping on kombucha and I'm all organic Recycling and posting almost automatic Peace sign in the kitchen, in the bedroom, in the car We see a ringing bell saying lovers never fall Cause ain't nothing like a pretty hippie girl With the vision for a loving better world Hippie girl Thanks again to Cecilia and Josh for the excellent interview. Go to tipofmytongue.net to learn more about Cecilia. Check out her artwork, learn about past shows, history of the show, and all that good stuff. Thanks again for checking us out. I'm Dan Sauter, your host for Music Life Radio, and we'll catch you next time. And some final thoughts. Yeah, people have the hardest time saying on the tip of my tongue. Why? On the tip of my tongue. Why is it so hard? People say it's like, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's a tongue twister. It's not! (laughs) On the tip of my tongue. It's a common enough phrase. Really strange. Now, from ears and mouth presents. From ears and eye, granted, granted. That was a little harder to say. That was harder. But I just didn't want to be like, you know, this this is music now.